peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. I got the honor of doing the intros. What? Damn, that was impressive. I know. Holy cow, you might have just taken so my job. So we've got George coming in, our head coach, as I like to call him, Thing One. We've got Chris, our physical alteration specialist, or as I like to call him, Thing Two. Why are you making a face, Chris? I thought I was being really great no, with the intros. You, no, you did. You did good. You just called George the head coach. I thought he was. George, keep is, messing this George up. is the director of programming. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Yeah. You can't always get everything right on the first try. So I say for a first intro, Wonderful. that was pretty damn good. That was I pretty give you damn 95 good. I think out of 100%. Keep, I think we keep going. All right. I'll keep accept it. it. 95 is still an A. My perfectionist <laughs> self will accept it. And I'm super excited. We have our special guest, Ashley Kitchens. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist that I met through our local CrossFit gym. And I'm super excited you're here today which i love the fact that your last name is kitchens oh yes i was born into <laughs> that it. that was that is that could not you could not be. have asked for a better mm-hmm. title did you always want to be something with food and nutrition i did that's yep. awesome yep. i think it was the last name yeah you are you are so Ashley is, um, she specializes in meal prep and plant-based gluten-free meal preps. Um, I love your Instagram. I'm obsessed. So her Instagram is at plant-centered-prep. So definitely go check that out. She does really cool videos. She also has the most organized refrigerator I've ever seen. I always, I messaged her. I'm like, where did you get all these beautiful Tupperwares and how do I make my fridge look like this? So there's a lot of really fun information she posts and ideas. So, um... Yeah, uh, I guess we're going to talk about meal prep today and all of its glory. And I get a lot of questions about this. So I wrote some down of the most common questions. Um, but first, I want to talk about you. Oh, okay. So um, how did you get into kind of this plant-based lifestyle? Well, so it was started way back in the day. I was having a lot of GI issues um, and I couldn't quite pinpoint what was going on. So I started doing some trial and error, like playing around with my diet, seeing what worked, what didn't work, trying to listen to my body and found that the more I ate plants and less processed foods, less meat and dairy for Mm -hmm. me personally, my GI track just responded very positively to that. So I sort of continued down that path and here I am many years later and it's still going well and I haven't gone back. That's awesome. I think it's interesting and I love to highlight that there's there are so many different eating patterns for everyone's lifestyle and everyone is different. Like you said, you're like, for me, those were things that didn't sit well and I just knew I had to start respecting my body and you just totally went into the lifestyle and that's really awesome. I love it so much. Ashley, so you're not you're not eating no no animal protein at all then? Nope, no animal protein. And how long has it been since you like cut that out? It's been about seven Holy years. Cow. Okay, cool. Do you do you play any sports? Gym, CrossFit. Just yeah, CrossFit. Just CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's yeah. very good. She's <laughs> she's not gonna toot her own horn, but she's very, very good at CrossFit. Well, no, and that's <laughs> re- that's the reason why I ask is I I think with all the you know, the people who chose like that particular nutritional path have kind of like at least in some levels, you know, struggled with the performance aspect just based on how they're able to balance their dietary needs with their performance output. You know, but that being said, uh, Kendrick Ferris, famous like vegetarian 
like Olympic level weightlifter, which is, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's super on the rare side, but it can be done. And I think that's, I don't know. I, I think that might be, I think what a lot of, you know, reasoning behind people not going on that sort of diet is just because of the performance limitations that you might run into. But but I feel like it's a big misconception that you need to eat all the protein to no, see I, I performance. Hundred percent agree. You know, like you run into those people that are like, "Yeah, I need five hundred grams of protein a day." It's like, no, you don't, bro. Uh, it's just so. I think if people understood, I guess what their body actually needs, they would be surprised at how that they can make different lifestyles work and yeah, well, their dietary and it, it goes back to this too. So like when we talk about recovery, right? Like this is one big thing that I'm really big at big into is like the recovery aspect, right? Like you lower nutritional stress so that you actually have more energy to recover in other areas. Um, I can't take that word for, for me making it up. I learned it from reading a book, obviously. Uh, have you heard of the thrive <laughs> diet before Ashley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I read that book this past yeah. year and it really kind of opened my eyes mm-hmm. to more of like understanding like the differences in acidity to between foods actually. And noticing that was actually a huge game changer for myself and like understanding, okay, cool, get away from certain types of rice, get away from certain types of proteins at certain times. I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I love, I love my meat, but it let me understand like, Hey, these types of proteins cause higher stress on your GI, which end up slowing down recovery process. So I ended up kind of figuring out in that realm, obviously Brooke has been a big help in that as well. But that, that book was a, that book was a big eye opener for a lot of people. I feel like him, you know, is that kind of a, an idea of like where you go with your whole approach when you're talking about, you know, your vegetarian lifestyle and still being uh, an athlete and performing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think kind of like what you all are saying, it's just really a matter of playing with your own diet and not, you know, that imposter syndrome where we think we have to be like somebody else because we're all so different. We're all our own individual. And so it's just a matter of figuring out what works best for you. You talking about, you know, varying your meat intake, cutting out certain types of rice, that sort of thing. I think it's just a matter of really engaging with your body, listening to your body and seeing how you respond to different things. Cause we all recover differently. We all perform differently. We all need different types of nutrition. Um, so yeah, we're all individuals. So not one, not any diet, fits everybody so I think it's interesting too that I I feel like somewhere out of along the line people got very out of touch with understanding how their bodies work and they're like I need to adhere to this strict diet or this strict lifestyle and you know that's really not the case it's like you need to listen to exactly what your body's telling you and um it really will if you listen your body's telling you what it needs Mm -hmm. and what it does and doesn't respond to so, so how did you how did you phase in your your diet? Like I mean, did you just decide like one day that like this was a thing you're going to try or did you like try different things and then slowly get to kind of where you're at right now? It was definitely a slow process for me. I mean, I've I've had clients and different things they go cold turkey, but for me it took several years for me to figure out what worked best for my body. It wasn't something that happened overnight. It took a lot of trial and error, a lot. So, but I feel like over the past few years I've really gotten to a place where I've just been um, listening a lot more to my body and uh, basically eating according to that. So, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to convince Brooke that we need to make a t-shirt that says, not your mom, not your milk. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's definitely a PETA slogan that's probably <laughs> trademarked that we can't steal and put on a t-shirt. I just think it would be the most awesomest thing. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe we just went there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure, but it, but right? Is that not what we're saying? Not your mom, not your milk. Yeah, exactly. That was totally a PETA slogan. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go dive down the rabbit hole of meal prep. 
And what is it? I guess we'll start with what is meal prep? So what is meal prep to you? Because I feel like everyone probably has a different answer. Yeah. And everyone does have a different answer. But to me, it's essentially basically taking the time to set yourself up for success for the week. So you're taking the time to plan your meals or you're using the app, seeing what's coming up and basically planning ahead so that when this week does come up and you're busy because we're all busy, you basically have everything ready to go for you, laid out, prepped, um, and you're basically cutting down on stress throughout the week, you're cutting down on time, a bunch of different things. So it's, I love that. Yeah. I love that you brought up it's preparing for the week and whatever that looks like for you because everyone might have a different idea of meal prep. And I think some people get really overwhelmed because they think I have to cook everything in the kitchen for the week. And it can be super overwhelming to start that way. So I think the biggest advice I have for someone starting meal prep is to start, like you were saying, even with diet choices, like try something, see how it goes and then kind of progress. I, I feel like meal prepping, if you've never done it before and you're going to go in and all of a sudden do this huge elaborate thing for a week isn't realistic. So maybe just starting with I'm going to meal prep lunches and a snack and see how it goes. So you can like dip your toe in and see how that works and how that fits your lifestyle. So when you, when you meal prep, do you like meal prep based on a like desired performance output? Like you, if you know, like Wednesdays at the gym is going to be a super hard day. Like do you, do you change that or do you just kind of like, cause I guess what I, the way I've, now granted I'm the worst, I, I don't meal prep. I used to, I tried like, but my extent of meal prepping was like, you know, put a whole packet of chicken breast on the grill, cook it all up. Here's six Tupperware containers, scoop of rice, scoop of rice, scoop of rice, scoop of rice, chicken breast, chicken breast, chicken breast, done. Like put it on the fridge and then I was just eating chicken and rice for- That sounds really boring. It was. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure, you know, like you said that, you know, the variety of meal prep is something that will, it takes practice and it takes creativity and it, I mean, I've always, but then again, back in that day, it seemed like my days were focused around just eating rather, you know, focusing your days around performance. Because if you focus your days on eating, then it's easy to just be like, well, here's a meal, here's a meal, here's a meal. I'm taking away the pressure to make that momentary split decision of like, oh, I'm super hungry. Let me go run and get fast food. Like that, that cuts that out because it's already done, right? Because human beings are lazy and we go with the path of least resistance. And if there's nothing available, then I'm going to go to whatever's most available, which is usually fast food or something like that. But on the other hand, I also found when I, when I switched more towards like performance-based eating, I was like, man, like, well, I did my, I already ate my meal prep for today. I'm still really hungry. Now I grab like Wednesday's meal <laughs> and then I just basically like double up on it. Right. So it's like, so how do you, I guess my question is how do you balance, you know, your training and your meal prep? Like, do you adjust per the day? Do you like guesstimate? Or is it all kind of the same? How does that work for you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because we all have different performance goals throughout the week and different levels of training. Um, but what I do is I try and prep breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the week. And it's typically like my bulk meals. So I don't do anything extra. That's sort of my baseline. And then I always have, if I know I'm going to have a heavier training day, I always have 
these like high protein bars on hand. So if I know I'm working out, like you said, extra hard on Wednesday, um, I have something that I can recover with a little bit more with that. And then I always have like go-to smoothie recipes that I make that I add extra chia seeds and hemp seeds into um, just to bulk up the protein and um, the carbs and everything um, so that I can recover a little bit quicker. So definitely always having like those backup items in addition to my base meal prep so that I'm not left hungry and grabbing yeah. tomorrow's meal prep. Do you, do you, That's do you smart. keep them in your car, like in your glove box? Like, <laughs> I mean, well, cause that was, it was, that was one I thing. I keep them in my backpack that well, I carry to work with me. I do. Do you guys have like, yeah, like a fancy cooler that you like? <laughs> I have a, yeah, humongous lunchbox and it's <laughs> always stocked with stuff. So, cause I don't want to be hungry, especially yeah, if I'm at right. work. Oh, no way. So, so you have all your options there. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, that's funny. Cause I, now I'll, I'll run another scenario by you. This is, this was a, a meal prep realism in my life. So I'd like, I'd, I'd be, I'd be diligent. I'd meal prep. I'd pack my lunchbox. And then it's like, Hey guys, who wants to go to Mexican for lunch? And this you're just sounds like, oddly familiar. And I'm like, like this office, <laughs> right? Like, but that's, I, I think we, you know, we've talked about it on previous podcasts. It's like, it's, it's almost the acculturation of food, right? No one wants to be the person if someone invites you over to dinner and you're like, nah, bro. Like you walk in with your Tupperware container and be like, let me just, let me just throw this in the microwave real quick. And you're just like, whatever you're eating, I don't want it. Like, so how do you, I guess, how do you balance then, you know, kind of like those momentary spontaneous food requests in addition to like, say you already have meals prepped for the day. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's funny that you mentioned that because you still want to live your life throughout the week. So if your coworkers invite you out to lunch or if your friends want to go out like after work, um, you definitely don't want to say no, like, Hey, I have to go home and eat my meal prep tonight. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, if that option comes up, I definitely take it because I don't like being a slave to my meal prep essentially. Um, and I typically end up finishing my meals anyway. So, you know, they, I prep for, Monday through Friday, essentially. And so if I miss a meal prep throughout the week, I typically have like a Saturday or Sunday where I make up for and eat it. So a lot of it doesn't end up going to waste like you would think. That's a really good point. Just prep the five days because that gives you wiggle room to then like go be like social with friends and not have to turn down opportunities. I love that. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, because that's... that's another, and that was, that was one thing. And I was, I was really bad, but I, I was like a horrible meal prepper, <laughs> like, but for a number, but for a number of reasons, I think because I approached it from the point of, I, I didn't have a plan to plan, if that makes sense. Like I, I would meal prep and then Tuesday coworkers would be like, let's go to Mexican. And then Friday coworkers would be like, let's go get M sushi or whatever. And I would have, delicious. it, it is delicious. <laughs> yes. And I'd have all these food left over and then the food would go bad. So I guess, Next question for the, you know, all the meal preppers out there. Are there any foods that you stay away from because if you let it go throughout the entire week and you just, you kick Monday's meal all the way to Saturday, like, is that like the, any, any foods you don't use in your meal prep, I guess? Yes. So I've definitely made some mistakes in that area. Um, one time I made this like avocado dressing for the week. And as you can imagine, <sighs> yes. yes, avocados don't keep. <laughs> no, yeah, they don't. And it looked pretty bad. You know, even by day two, it was like, oh, this is starting to brown. It's not looking so hot. So, and then it's not appealing to eat. Did you, scra- so. did you scrape the top layer off till you find the green again? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then by day three or four, I was like, this has got to go. So, and then I did something with, it was like a smoothie with bananas. Um, and I do, only do smoothies for like a day or two in advance, but even and that was just not a good idea because bananas brown pretty quickly. And this yeah, I like to do smoothies fresh and I like to do breakfasts fresh. I don't know why, but also I think because I 
eat eggs a lot of the time with breakfast and those are gross. I was going to say, yeah, when you like, reheat eggs, gross. like that's not. <laughs> so I, I prefer to do like cook breakfast fresh and then do smoothies fresh. So you don't have like the awkward. Like, well, I imagine nasty. with, you know, like the whole vegetarian thing, like vegetables traditionally like don't keep very long. So that's why I'm curious. Like if you, if there's some things you just stay away from. Yeah. So like, I'll cook my vegetables for the week, but anything that I'm going to do fresh, I'll do the day of. So if I'm the like of, cupping okay. up, cutting up a green pepper or carrots or something like that, it'll be the day of, as opposed if it's going to be fresh, it's the day of, if it's cooked, it's for the entire week. Typically. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, that's a really awesome approach. I didn't even think of that. I think I, well, I usually will just prep and cut up all the raw stuff too, but I feel like it would be fresher and taste better if I waited yeah. until day of. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like if I'm doing tacos or something, mm -hmm. you know, I'll have like my base, like protein already prepped for the week, but then like the lettuce or the tomatoes, avocado, that sort of thing is prepped the day of just to make it fresher and taste better. Gotcha. So how do you, if you, okay, if you took a, like a snapshot of your meal prep week, like what? Like, are you like a Sunday, like a Sunday meat cooker, or not? Obviously, not a meat cooker, but like I, I cooked all my meat on Sundays. Um, but like, do you get up super early and then do it? Do you do it all on the weekend? How how do you balance the shopping, the prepping, and obviously the rest of your life? Yep. So I try to start planning at least by Friday for my upcoming week. So I've kind of taken some notes throughout the week of recipes that I want to try or make, and. Then I basically take an inventory of my fridge, whether it's Friday or Saturday, and write everything down that I need for the grocery. And I try to grocery shop by Saturday or Sunday. If I can get it in by Friday night, then that's a plus, but typically it doesn't happen because things get a little crazy. So typically the grocery shopping is done by Saturday or Sunday, and then I usually wake up Monday mornings pretty early and try and get my meal prep knocked out within a couple hours. Um, by is like, Monday like your off day? Mm -hmm. I guess it okay. is. So yep. on your like day off, you spend the morning mm -hmm. kind of getting ready. Yeah, cool. I spend the morning getting ready, prepping, filming everything, and getting it ready to go so that by Monday night, my meals are set to go for the rest of the week. Cool. So what are you like? What are some issues that people come to? Like, what's your most popular like meal prep issue that people kind of lay at your feet and ask you to solve for them? That's a good question because a lot of people, I get a lot of questions like, how in the world do you eat the same thing every day for an entire week? People, It's hard for people to wrap their heads around. I uh, do the same thing, though, for the five days anyway. Like mm -hmm. the work week. Yep. So I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah. There's something about the consistency. There's something about not having to think about what you're going to eat for the entire week. It just cuts on, down on that decisional fatigue or whatever. Um, so it's it's something you have to get used to. And if, if that's a non-negotiable, like you're not able to eat the same thing for a couple days in a row, then there's definitely ways to tweak it. Uh, whether you're, so you have like your base protein and then you kind of tweak like your toppings or your base, like a tortilla or rice or whatever you want to do. So there's kind of different ways to switch it up. That's a question I get a lot. Um, it's hard to fathom eating the same thing, but yeah, I, I, I like it. And the way the nutrition app is set up is it alternates days. So we've got like an A day and a B day. And I personally don't even like to eat that way. I like to pick a day and just prep out and eat the same thing, which you can totally do. Or if you want more variety, you could even try to do the alternating days or, you know, cook more than that if you want. I just think to me, one of the biggest barriers when people talk about eating healthy is time. So to me, meal prep kind of solves one of those big issues. It's cutting back on time, even though it might seem really top heavy that you're taking like sometimes maybe three hours, right, to do a whole meal prep. But think about all the time you're saving by not cooking something different, like three hours a day you could be cooking. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely 
one of the really big reasons I do recommend meal prepping in some form to people. It just sets you up for success, I think. It does. Yeah. And it, it frees up time too during the week because you're not using a lot of dishes. So you're not doing like prepping with pots and pans and all that kind of stuff. So you're able to sit around the dinner table for longer, you know, enjoy time with your family or your friends. It just, it frees up way more time than you would imagine throughout the week by getting yeah. it all done. Uh, especially when you come home hungry from the gym. The last thing I want to do is cook for an hour. Mm -hmm. So I love <laughs> when I can just pull out that Tupperware, heat it up and I'm ready to go. Yep. That's, that's one of my favorite things. One of these uh, common question I get is, um, from our users is, two things. First thing they always ask, what if I want to cook for a spouse or significant other? How do I Ugh. kind of work in meal planning? Don't call Avril Lavigne on me over there today, Chris. No, it's funny because I... <laughs> how do you work in cooking for someone else or a family? Like, how do you make that work? Um, and I know that like you're married. So like, how, what does that look like for the two of you? Well, he basically doesn't have a choice. So <laughs> if he wants to eat, then he's going to eat what I cook. So you kind of just like double it up or I do. And you're like, we're going to just, we're going to cook the same meals mm -hmm. and kind of make it more of a team decision on how you meal plan. Um, yeah, it's somewhat of a team decision. A lot of it just is my decision. So um, he's pretty easy to please when it comes to like food and everything. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's it doesn't make it difficult as, on me. as a man, you do not, you do not tell the woman what she's going to be cooking or not cooking. You just go with it. <laughs> I like that. Do your, does your husband follow the same diet? He does, do? okay. which makes it really yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I was going to say, it's, it would be really hard, especially if someone had two different dietary needs, because then you're basically meal prepping well, for two I actually would think it wouldn't work. be, right? Like, that's actually, I mean, cooking as a vegetarian, you're usually cooking with mostly vegetables and all these other, other proteins, right? Like, it's not that hard to throw a piece of steak, chicken, or whatever else on the grill real quick or on the pan, cook it, and then mix it in with whatever they're eating. I feel like that would probably be a simpler solution than trying to make a full-on two different courses for, for you and the husband or for you and the spouse that is doing that. Kind of look at that realm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's a lot of trial and error too. When just meal prepping for yourself or a family or significant other, like you just kind of got to trial and error and see what works. Mm -hmm. And then like when I first started meal prepping, it was, it was like a full day. I was like, this is a lot of work. How do people do this? Mm -hmm. I was like in college when I started trying to do it. And now it's no big deal. Easy. I'm really good at like oven management, which sounds weird, but like you can have multiple meals going at one time once you realize how to like properly manage the stove and the oven temps and stuff. So it's just something like, like anything else in athletics, it's practicing. It's Absolutely. taking the time to just like keep kind of honing in your skills. Yeah. It's a brand new habit. If you've never meal prep before, you're literally starting from square one. It's a new habit and you just have to keep that habit going from week to week and just improve upon it every week. You'll get better and better and eventually it'll be a lifestyle and you'll never want to go back. <laughs> so I know. yeah. Uh, another question I get is people who batch cook the big recipe then they have a moment of freak out when they have to divide it out into Tupperware. Oh, yeah. And I, I think maybe this is because we're so obsessed with like perfect numbers and weights and macros. And do you have any advice, I guess, for people about that? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of figuring out like you have to do a little bit of math. So, mm -hmm. you know, calculating out what you need for the week. And if you're doing like five meals, dividing it out, you know, whether you weigh it or however you want to kind of divide it out so that it's even into your meal prep containers. Yeah. I'm a big, like, I just tell people like, take a deep breath and just like visualize, like it's totally fine. If one day maybe there's just like a tablespoon more of food in one container than the other, like it's okay. Um, I guess you could 
weigh the whole recipe and try to weigh them all out. But I just think that we don't need to be kind of married to the, the food scale or, or stuff like that. So I, I think, and I also feel like people have a tendency to think of nutrition like needs to be perfect in this 24 hour window, but our bodies don't necessarily operate on that clock. So to me, as long as you're, you're meeting your weekly goals, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It doesn't need to be perfect every single hour of every day. So I guess that's a, that's a, interesting point because i i imagine it's probably very common for people to like burn out with meal prep like i mean just because i I mean obviously you know we've we've done several podcasts that have all kind of addressed the topic of this upcoming transitional season that we're we're about to enter or we're in right now and everyone's going to start doing something probably come one january and then usually by like march they're going to be off that train. So do you, I guess, are there any like helpful tips to like successfully continuously evolve your meal prep plan? Like from like, I mean, we talked about starting small, but like is the goal to always like meal prep forever? Like, is that, is that a thing? Like do people just never stop? Like, are they just, you know, this, your meal prep just gets more and more and more complex as you continuously move on. I mean, I definitely think once you start doing it, it's hard to imagine not doing it because it does create so much simplicity in your life. But there's going to be weeks where you're not going to want to meal prep or there's just there's not an opportunity to meal prep because you're traveling or something. So I don't think you need to be married to the idea that you have to meal prep every week. I think it's really important to give yourself some latitude, some grace. You know, if you don't feel like meal prepping for a week and you want to eat out a little bit more that week, then that's fine. Um, I think just having that as a skill and something in your back pocket to set you up for success for the week is something really sure. important. I guess that's a good interesting point. Do you get, do you meal prep when you travel? I try to plan in advance, <laughs> um, but it doesn't always work out very well. So <laughs> like, well, I, I think I guess, it depends where you're going to like mm-hmm. international versus a car trip, you know? Sure. Well, I just, I remember <laughs> back in the day, like, you know, back before, you know, like when you could take like liquids and things on airplanes, like prior to the whole, like, I mean, it was, it was much easier to walk on a plane, like not eat the plane food. Cause you had like your lunch already pre-packed and that's kind of easy. But like, yeah, like when I'm on vacation, like, I don't know, like unless, I mean, obviously unless my hotel room has like a kitchen in it, which most of them don't cause I'm not bougie like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I love to, this is my weird travel hack. I get like an empty big blender bottle and I take it through security stuffed full of all my healthy snacks. And then when I'm through security, I like dump all the snacks in my bag and fill up my water bottle. So then I don't have to waste uh, money buying water and I don't have to waste money and I already have my healthy snacks. Interesting. That is just really yeah. smart. And then your snacks don't get crushed. I was about to say, that's how I travel too. So, I have apples and, and snacks in my backpack with then my algae and just empty and then fill it up. <laughs> Word. Word. But I feel like there's different versions of meal prep and I feel like mine fluctuate. Right. Speaking so of which, you left your apples on my on my counter. I gave the them way. to you, Chris. They're probably rotten now. <laughs> they were a gift for your um, kind hospitality. So, actually, what I actually want to talk a little bit about, like, is the whole vegetarian approach. This 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 approach of vegetarian. It's a it's a topic that a lot of people are either about or they're not about. Right. Like, it's it's a very controversial, like, or cons- ah, It's a very argumentative type of topic when it comes to people because, like, well, you're not getting enough protein, you're not getting enough nutrients, you're not doing whatever else, and realistically, like. I, I, I talked about this in the beginning of the year in 2000, like in February is like, I actually wanted to try vegetarian out actually just to see what it was like and, and see how my body reacted to it. I just had no real place to start with it. Um, kind of what it was, you know, and then, and realistically, 
more of being afraid of like, well, if I cut out protein, like what's going to end up happening hormonal wise and all the other good stuff. So, you know, for me, I think the question would be to help out listeners who are looking to go this route if they do plan. How is it, how is the smart approach to do this without messing up your internal system? Because people probably have done that and fucked themselves up. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when they jump into vegetarianism, like right away, they're like having a lot of gas bloating and they're like, oh, no, this is not for me. You know, their like GI system is completely messed up. So I try to really encourage people to start slow, kind of like with the whole meal prepping thing. Dip your toe in, maybe just start with one meal like meal prepping. So like breakfast, for example, maybe you know, cut out the bacon and sausage or something and try a more vegetarian approach and see how that goes and then gradually build upon that. So when you dive all in, that's where you kind of get yourself into trouble. Um, um, yeah. So I well, think, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think there's, George, I think you're, you're talking about there. There's people who, I mean, there's people who walk down this track because of like dietary restrictions. Like they're changing their performance output or their, the feeling like that is a reason to do it. There's also like the ideological reason behind it. Like people just, you know, the ethics behind food and food creation, which I mean, we don't have to dive into in this podcast. Like, we had a we did a really awesome podcast uh, with Doc from Brayburn Farms about sustainable agriculture for those listeners who are interested in diving down that rabbit hole. But he has a really really interesting perspective, and he raises cattle and like how he does it and like his practice of sustainable agriculture and like it's really incredible what they're doing out there. Yeah, that's a die living podcast episode. Interesting. Okay. Day. Yeah, which we're all in the same feed now, so just so I you guys know. know. <laughs> um, do you? But do you ever find that being kind of like, you know, impeding on your ability to like go out? Like, if you want to go to a restaurant, you know, like their vegetarian menu, or like, do you have, do you have to ask the poor waiter or waitress like a million questions of like? <laughs> I have to do how that the, now too. How this thing is prepared, <laughs> and you're For just, my food and, and you're just sitting there, you're just like, ah, oh, just. <laughs> just I feel <laughs> I feel guilty asking for like something different I guess mm -hmm. Durham is awesome Durham has a lot of like I'm really all about um, some of these vegan pizza crusts like gluten-free vegan pizzas Durham knows what's up yeah they really do I feel like a lot of restaurants these days are becoming more like adaptable to different diets which is really nice it makes eating out actually really easy I so. think so too I think it's getting a lot better especially in a foodie hub like you know, Raleigh Durham, you've got a lot of really good options. Well, Bojangles doesn't have a vegetarian. Well, I've never been into a Bojangles in my entire life and I have no desire to set foot in one. You're missing out. <laughs> so Ashley, some of um, superfoods when it comes to vegetarian, right? When we talk about being a vegetarian and being like meal prepping, what are some of your go-to and superfoods that you like to utilize when, when meal prepping pretty much, you know? So foods that I always have in my pantry that I like to use weekly, if not daily, are definitely hemp seeds, chia seeds, and flax okay. seeds. They're loaded with protein, omega-3s, fiber. They are great in smoothies. They're great on salads. They're really great in anything. So I like having those on hand. Um, I put chia seeds in my oatmeal. Yeah. With peanut They're butter. Really that's another thing I always have on hand is like oats, just things that I can prep quickly, if I, especially if I'm extra hungry after a workout or something. Um, and then I always have like nuts and seeds and a bunch of different like almond butter and peanut I'd, butter. I had to hide the bag of Cheetos. <laughs> I saw you tried to hide them. <laughs> 
<laughs> tried to hide them behind the microwave. I totally snagged a couple and then rehid them somewhere else. It's fine. <laughs> Dang it. So <laughs> there's something about that occasional hot Cheeto. That's what I keep on hand is Cheeto. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh man. Well, sometimes you got to feed the soul. That's hundred percent what <laughs> that's it is. True. So when we go back into this, right, when we talk about the vegetarian and the meal prepping aspect, because I'm, I'm actually very interested in the, in, in the vegetarian idea of actually living your life that way. I mean, I, and it, this comes from not only looking at strength athletes and also looking at now we look at Sarah Sigmund daughter who was actually a vegetarian. She went vegetarian just recently. Yeah. That's no. Awesome. Yeah. Wait, yeah. That? She did. I didn't know that. Wait, who uh, is it? Sarah Sigmund daughter. Sarah Sigmund's daughter. She, she she's a big time oh. games athlete. And if you follow her, she's actually yeah, been talking yeah. about, I didn't know yeah, that. She's been talking she about it lately. On Instagram so, one time. I think no, she didn't. No, she didn't. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. George, or Chris almost, is over here. Almost had her going for a second. Oh, that'd be amazing. But yeah, so like she's currently, I, that I know of, that's from watching her on her, her Instagram stories and her life, like what she's putting out, she's actually a vegetarian right now. And I haven't seen really many people come out into the CrossFit realm or the functional fitness realm and are competing at that level to be a vegetarian. And then we go ahead and look at the endurance realm and we have a lot of athletes who do eat a plant-based diet, right? which is huge. So it, it's coming now to show that like, hey, science is saying all these things, but anecdotal experience from everyone is like, it's actually a huge, a huge thing for a lot of people due to the fact of how our meat is being processed nowadays. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? Definitely. So it, that's just a very interesting topic for me when it comes down to like vegetarian and all that good stuff. Like, do you eat, to- do you eat tofu for protein or is it more of like other to- like plant-based protein instead of like going towards like the artificial type protein that they've created? Mm-hmm. I try to stick to the whole food okay. uh, proteins as much as possible. Yep. I mean, it's really easy to snag, you know, a, a veggie burger or something like that. But I try to stick to like the tofu, the tempeh, beans, whole grains, um, that sort of thing. Sweet. So, yeah, yeah. Minimally processed as much as possible. Yeah. I think people are shocked to um, like when I made recipes with lentils, there's so many good, like so much protein in lentils that the meat portion on the recipes ends up being super small. And it throws people off that they don't understand how plant-based eating, there is a lot of protein in some of it. So it's kind of cool to see that. And I feel like I want to know your opinion, but technically everyone should be eating a plant based, like the biggest part of your diet should be plants, fruits, vegetables, um, and then that's okay if for some people protein, animal proteins are a part of it or whatever is best for your lifestyle. But I feel like now it's safe to say we should all agree that everyone's diet should technically be plant-based and yeah. less processed. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think like it'd be really nice if like 80% of all of our diets were about the same, like comprised of a lot of fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, that sort of thing. And then the other 20% we're all going to be different based on our needs, uh, maybe a little bit more because of the Cheetos and stuff like that. <laughs> so there's their own. So food. top five, top five foods broken down into the macro. So what are your top five proteins, carbohydrates, and fats that you like to utilize like on an everyday basis if you had to? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. Rack my brain. <laughs> um, so protein wise, definitely tofu, tempeh, beans, lentils, like Brooke was talking about and pepitas. Okay. They're really high in protein. They're a great seed. Um, fats wise, avocado is up there. Yes. That's like my number one Same. fat. Yeah. Well, and that's where you get your carbohydrates <laughs> um, from too as well, right? Like this is a big part of your carbohydrates. Some, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even, um, peanut butter mm. and just a bunch of different nuts and seeds that are higher in fat. Those would be like my high fat intake foods, carbohydrates, 
uh, fruits for sure. So I eat about, you know, 20 to 25 bananas a week. Um, and then just a bunch of other fresh fruits. So those would be my primary carbohydrate intake along with like sweet potatoes and even white potatoes. And then of course beans, you know, that crosses over into the carbs, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I, how, so how do you feel about the war on carbs and how fruit's bad for you all of a sudden because it's got so much carbs and sugar? I'm like, yes, but it has so much water, fiber, and micronutrients. I'm exactly. Like, how can, yes. Oh, I love it's, fruit. Yeah. And on, I, I guess technically, like, I don't know if I like the term, not all sugar is created equal, but I feel like with fruit, though, that's true because there's so many other nutrients and fiber and water content. It's very different from putting table sugar in your coffee yes. or a processed food. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, you know, very anti-war on carbs. I love carbs. Oh my gosh, I love carbs. It's a big part of recovery. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's a big part of your being like CrossFit athlete, you know, like that's got to be a big part of your recovery and your success too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and that kind of goes into this idea too, right? We, you know, I I know athletes who have been vegetarian and actually have gotten injured and have actually had to go away from being vegetarian due to the high carbohydrates and vegetarian causing gut problems, which now cause problems elsewhere. Um, have you seen that also? Like I know I've seen it before and I've seen athletes go from completely vegetarian, to completely keto and have actually introduced meat back into their diet and actually have seen the opposite effect of what they said they were on when they were vegetarian too. You know, so that's me playing devil's advocate of looking at, okay, well, yeah, like we go back to the whole idea, like everyone's different. Um, Does it come down to like how much sugar intake of fruit and the carbohydrates as a vegetarian can cause problems? That's a good question because I have heard of several cases where people are vegan or vegetarian and then they transition back into um, eating more meat and dairy products and have actually found it to be better for them personally. So I really think it is an individual basis. Um, No one diet is for everybody. So I think it's really kind of like what you're saying, just like listening to your body, seeing how you recover. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily related to like the sugars and fruits or anything like that, but um, I think it's important to kind of trial and error and not be like stuck on a certain type of diet or way of living. Like, cause there's so many different routes you can go down. Um, so it's just being adaptable. Cause I do think everyone's huh. very different and all right. Well, we that see, makes sense. I mean, I think we're a seeing, lot of the time what ends up happening is I, I look at it like this, right? It's like you can go vegetarian for a week and then you can go keto for a week and you can go high carb diet for a week and you can go ahead and, and play around with all these different things and see what really works. Right. Like, I mean, again, like it's a, it's a process and being able to handle doing it for three months or whatever else. I just think that a lot of people really get caught up in this idea of like, well, if I'm going to go vegetarian, like you said, I'm gonna have to go full on. <laughs> well, how long, but, but then again, on that same point, like how long does it take? Like if I decided to go keto for a week, after a week, I'm probably not, I'm not no. keto, right? Like it, it uh, takes. That, well, that's a bad example, just because you have to get, you know. Well, well but, but that's the reason. Right? because people will you, will do that. People will go ahead and like how long? Like how long does it take? Like if I, I if I decide like I want to be a vegetarian, right? Like, I, like at what I point? I have an in time? answer. I I want to see if yours is different, but this is kind of the same in line with elimination diets and when you're trying to clear your body and your gut of certain things. I'd like to say at least 21 days, like uh, three to four weeks before you're really going to understand that like, oh, let's say I tried gluten-free. The gluten's cleared my system. It's going to take three to four weeks at least for that to happen. Then you're going to really know how is my body with just this diet. 
not okay. some residuals from my eating style before. So you have to commit a little bit, which I feel like three to four weeks shouldn't be a commitment talk, but a lot of the times it is. Well, but it is, <laughs> but, but, but he's right. Like, cause I mean, I think everyone, I mean, we're again, not to, not to come back to the, to the fad season that we're in, but like people will try something and then it's like, Oh, it didn't work after like, I feel like crap after a week, this vegetarian, this vegetarian diets, nonsense. Right. And then they throw it out the window and then they try something else. You know, it's like, you know, if, if you are going to try these diets, if you are going to try this, and, and I'd imagine it's probably true even with meal prep, right? Like, I mean, if you're going to do it, like you have to commit to it for a certain amount of time before you actually like start to reap the benefits of, you know. Can't make a snap judgment. You got to like ride it out for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, so that's like, so on average, like you're talking like 20 something days. And then I can post on my social media that <laughs> I'm a vegetarian <laughs> or I like, I totally, I totally changed my identity from my, you know, well, George, when you were talking about this, um, talking about how you've seen athletes who didn't respond well to like vegan or vegetarian lifestyles. I noticed when I would see that though, a lot of people were doing it very That's wrong exactly. and they were becoming carbitarians yeah. and they were eating a lot of processed food and tons and tons of like potatoes and starches and they weren't actually getting a lot of variety in their diet. So to me, that's when I've seen people, I guess not have success. And I guess that's the huge part, right? Like that's the, that's the biggest, that is the biggest thing right there. Like to go to become a vegetarian or just to live a certain type of way in a certain diet, it takes a lot of fucking time to do so due to the fact that we just talked about it. Everyone wants to go and look at process. Everyone wants to do this diet, but then they go and turn and look at processed food. For instance, I'm going to go gluten. I'm going to go gluten diet. And all of a sudden they go start looking at all the gluten snacks and all the gluten snacks are processed. We go and look at someone who goes, I want to become a vegetarian. All of a sudden now the quick fix is, let me go and look at all the processed vegetarian food that's out there or this anti-inflammatory diet. Well, then the same thing again. So it comes down to like realistically, like it's, it's one of those things where you're literally eating, like you're, you're growing the stuff outside, but you're literally just shopping on the outside of the grocery store all the time and you're not going nowhere near the middle of that grocery store at all, right? Like that is the biggest point there that that I feel like needs to be driven home due to the fact that, again, it's cool, you can go vegetarian, you can go gluten, you can go keto, you can do all that stuff, but it's like the real the real portion that we're talking about here is the micro aspect of it all, not the, not the macro, right? The micro aspect and the details is, all right, well, where are you getting this food from? Are you getting it from a process base? Or are you getting it from a whole food plant base that's gonna go ahead and give you what you truly need. Yeah. You've got processed crap. You can have gluten-free processed crap. Yeah. Vegan processed crap. It's still processed it, crap. Exactly. You, know? you don't need it. That's, that's the biggest the, thing. It's like, it's like we always used to say, just because you step in the ring doesn't mean you know how to box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's why I encourage people, if you really do have questions about like your individual diet and your lifestyle. And especially if you notice something's going on with your gut, which is really common these days. And I think it is, does have to do with food processing, seek out a registered dietitian and someone who can work with you that's specialized in that field. Cause like we were talking about earlier, yes, we're all registered dietitians, but we all have specialties in what we're, what we're best at. And I think it's important to kind of like seek those people as a source of knowledge instead of good old Google or aunt Sally or whatever uncle Bob said, you know, but that's, but that's a valid point, right? Cause you're, you're coming up. I mean, assuming that the people who are listening to this podcast right now, you know, they're going to, I guarantee you, you know, there's a, there's going to be a handful of them who are going to want to try something come one January. So yeah, if you know, and, and we and George and you know, we have our advice that we give people from a training standpoint because yes, people will dive off that platform very quickly. 
and they will very quickly get into a training regimen that they are not prepared for. And they'll either find themselves broken, burnt out, and or just, you know, totally, totally missed all the benefits of what it is that they're about to take on. So if you had to impart some advice for people who are who who might be curious about trying a vegetarian diet, understanding, yes, what everyone eats is going to look a little bit different, but like, how would you go about making that change if you wanted to try it for the sake of trying it? Yeah, no, I think like what you really need to do is educate yourself, like really take that time to do some research. Don't just jump into it and find all the vegetarian labeled items at the grocery store because that's going to get you into trouble. So really take the time to figure out what you need from a nutrition standpoint, from a performance standpoint, do some research um, because it's still macros. I mean, vegetarian, no matter what you eat. Um, So kind of taking the time to do that and then planning ahead with your meals and um, like I said, giving yourself some latitude and starting slow because I know Brooke, you mentioned this on your um, Instagram, like diet culture preys on people and they make millions and millions of dollars like by advertising all of these different diets and different things. So um, kind of like what you were saying, like giving yourself a good month, like committing to it for a while and seeing how you feel after mm. doing it. What were some of the steps that you used when you changed over? You know, like you said, you started slow, you started taking bacon out of things, you started doing, you know, because it's just one of those things where a lot of people, some people will eat eggs and some people won't eat eggs, you know, some people will avoid milk and some people won't, you know, it's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was actually, I was raised on an Angus cattle farm. Oh. So red meat was a huge part of my diet growing up. Um, wow. And yeah, so that was one of the first things that I started cutting out just because it was such a, a dominant part of my life. Um, so I cut that out first cause that was pretty easy. You take out red meat. So you're taking out, you know, a couple of different things. And then I also took out cow's milk and I found that that had like a pretty positive influence on my GI system. And I was like, okay, well now I'll go to white meat and took that out. It was incredibly gradual. Um, and then the last couple of things I gave up were eggs and butter was the very last You don't thing. touch oh, butter no. at all. It was so Oh. I mean, I don't eat butter now. Oh. Uh-uh. I mean, I eat vegan butter very rarely. So what is but, vegan butter? Yeah, It's basically comprised of a bunch of different oils. Really? So. Yeah, there's like a really good uh, avocado soybean oil one that I'm on right now. Because mm, yes. I, I did my own series of elimination diets for health reasons too, where I found out gluten and dairy were not my friend. Mm-hmm. So I've like slowly figured out. But like you, it was... I actually did like a formal elimination diet where I eliminated a bunch and then I did a reintro phase, but I, that's kind of hard. I wouldn't recommend that for the average person, I think. So just picking the one thing that you suspect might be the culprit and seeing yeah. how your body responds, mm-hmm. like that's a very good way to go about it. So real talk, what happens if you mess up? <laughs> that's about the asset. Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, cause like, well, I'm realistically, right? Like, like what happens? I don't know. Cause I feel like there's, there's some, you know, we we've talked about this a couple of times because you know on 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 the episode of you know why diets fail is that is that more often people will veer on the side of being too restrictive and then something will happen and they'll just fall off the bandwagon right and then it's like you go from being like a vegetarian to like you know getting a drumstick you know, like just a turkey leg and just <laughs> gnawing down on it right like so it's like so okay so so realistically someone tries this and they're like they're super good and then because I've seen this so. On there, I did try the whole thirty at one point in time just to see if I could do it. Well, that's definitely a very strict elimination well, it diet. Is. That's and, what and, it is, and, and, then, and then it was like 
you know, we, we were out one night and like, you know, the waiter or waitress like brought the food and then we ate it and then realized that like, oh, by the way, there was this one thing in there that like wasn't Whole30 and it was like, no, like now I have to start all the way over again, like start with a new 30 day challenge. So it's like, so realistically speaking, if, if you if you mess up, right, like what do you do? If you mess up, it is okay. Okay, good. Oh my goodness. Yes, you cannot beat yourself up if something happens, you know, especially if it's out of your control or if you want that drumstick one night, then that's okay. Um, I think it's just a matter of not letting it derail you if, if vegetarian is something that you're striving for, um, just kind of moving forward. Okay, I ate that drumstick, now on to the next day. Um, do not beat yourself up about it because it really is okay. Do you ever- I feel like that should be applied to all diets and lifestyles. Like, don't think you need to be super over restrictive. It's okay sometimes to eat a cheeseburger. deviate from whatever your plan, nutrition plan might be. You know, it's okay. Well, especially because, you know, when, I mean, for here at Softly, you know, we're not, like, e- even with the training plans that we write and, you know, Brooke's nutrition plan that she creates, you know, we're not, we're not advocating for, like, one particular way of living. We more advocate for people being able to choose a wide variety of, of lifestyles. But it's like there's no there's no real end to it, right? So it's not like we're not trying to create meal plans to, you know, get people to lose, you know, 30 pounds in 30 days or something like that. You know, we're we're advocating for people to make a change but have that change be sustainable throughout the foreseeable future, you know? So, and, and that's, I don't know, like I feel like and with that in mind, you know, do you, do you ever miss it? Like, do you ever, do you ever find yourself like, I mean, you, you said you, you grew up on a farm, so, you know, obviously meat was probably a big part of your life. Um, do you ever find yourself like, man, I wonder what that tastes like? <laughs> that No, I actually That's don't. Yeah. Um, and some people wow. are surprised to hear that, but I, I feel so much better now than I ever have growing up ever. And so I honestly just can't even imagine eating that food because I remember how terrible I felt. Right. Um, so it's, it's not even a question. I look at I look yeah. at this as the well, same idea. Really good. I'm with you I look on at that. the same idea as like as an as an addict, right? Someone who starts starts is an addict. You know, they after a while they start realizing like the opposite side of feeling really good from not drinking or doing drugs, and all of a sudden now the same thing with you. Like you all of a sudden now have your body, you know, potentially operating one percent better every single day by leading this new di- lifestyle of eating, right? The same way I look at the, kind of how the similarities I put them together um, in, in that realm. And to kind of answer your question there, Chris, I think it's kind of how I look at that as 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 a whole is kind of just like once you kind of get rid of it, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of behind you and you notice well, that there's a better lifestyle that you're doing now, and it kind of sure. Well, I mean, and, and we've and we've discussed this. Like I said, I, I think it's it's safe to say that, you know, and I'm sure everyone in this room will agree that, you know, by and large, the human race has developed a very unhealthy relationship with food, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we talk about like we even we use terms like, you know, cheat meals and guilty pleasures and like and, and we're, we're starting to introduce like this real emotional connection to the things that we eat and the things we put in our body, you know, and and, and furthermore, you know, we I think as a culture, uh, even in the in the fitness, the health and fitness realm, you know, we really lift up this level of discipline. Like the more restrictive someone is, the better they are, right? So like if you limit yourself to like three things, right? If you think about like a, you know, like a bodybuilder getting ready for a show, right? Like when they're becoming show ready, the diets of these individuals are just like, I mean, it's super restrictive, right? Because I mean, they're literally trying to get like every vein and muscle to pop out to look a certain way, you know, and 
yeah, it's just, it's not sustainable, but it's like, you know, we, and I guess the reason why I asked that is because, you know, if people find themselves trying out these diets, right. And they like, they look at the donut and then they're like, they really start to look at the donut. Right. And you're just like, no, I'm going to punish myself by not eating. Don't do it. Don't do it. Right. And, and then like, but what happens is what I'm doing is I'm, I'm lifting this thing up. Like I'm building this, you know, thing into something that it's not like it's, it's just a donut. You know, like if I cut this thing out of my diet, you know, if I, if I commit to this, you know, vegetarian lifestyle, you know, and I go 30 days, whatever, you know, go, I go my month. Right. And I feel good, you know, and, and, and I might've felt okay before, you know, but then I start asking, like, I, I go over to a friend's house, right. And they're it's 4th of July and they're barbecuing hamburgers. You're just like, ah, it's, it's just a hamburger. Right. And then you're just like, no, you stick over by the little vegetable tray and just <laughs> keep gnawing on carrots and broccoli and, you know, right. And, and it's like, so it's like, so how do you, you know, how do you handle that? Like, I don't know if you've ever faced that before, you know, just because, you know, we've, we've learned from our unhealthy relationships that we have in our life, both with humans and with food. <laughs> but it's like, but how do you like, what are some tricks, I guess, to kind of talk someone out of like, you know, really kind of getting into this like overly restrictive and like, and if, and if they feel this really strong urge, what do you do? You know, like, like how do you work your way through that situation? And I don't know if, like I said, if, I don't know if that's something you've ever felt in your vegetarian walk, but no, it, it definitely is. And I know, Brooke has touched on this a little bit too. It's like that all or nothing approach to diets, that restrictive eating pattern, it does not work because when you see that donut, that is all you can think about. Right. And it's all you can think about the rest of the day. Right. So it just, that does not work. Um, so I try to tell people, stop looking at foods like I can't have that and try and kind of change your mentality by saying like, I'm choosing not to have that because I know I'm not going to feel good after I eat it or... Um, I know my body's not going to react very well to it. So trying to create more of that empowerment, like I'm choosing this for my health because I know I'm feeling better. I'm going to reach my goals quicker this way. Um, so I how, love that. Yeah. So, okay. Then you know, fair second question. What do you do? Like, do, do you indulge as a vegetarian? Like what's like your thing? Like, I mean, cause here's the thing. Like I love obviously Cheetos, <laughs> big secret, right? <laughs> so it's like, but, but I don't, I don't feel guilty. And I, I guess I've told myself cause you know, I hear Brooke talk all the time and like, I is like, I don't feel guilty for eating Cheetos. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I like, it actually makes me happy because they taste really good and they, you know, carbs put a smile on my face. So <laughs> what, what's one thing, what's your, like, if you have one, like, what is your, like, go to like, I just want to enjoy this thing. That's a good question. Um, so I can definitely smash some pancakes. That's by far like nice. my go-to weekend, okay. <laughs> like indulge, like give me like four or five big stack with some vegan butter and a bunch of different toppings. Um, okay. And you can't feel guilty. If that's something you want to enjoy, you know, once in a while, that's okay. Like do not get into that guilt mentality. Don't feel like you have to beat yourself up about it. Do an extra workout, that sort of thing. I mean, it is okay. Food is delicious and it's okay to enjoy it. Especially. I mean, it's a good thing we work in a gym. So <laughs> I ever do no feel, I feel bad about eating my Cheetos. I can go hit the ski <laughs> yeah, there area. I'm on a mission to find the best gluten-free, dairy-free pizza <gasps> in the triangle. Ooh, I've had a lot I of like good that. luck, but I love pizza's my thing. One of my like favorite foods. Mm -hmm. And for, uh, for health reasons, I figured out I needed to be gluten and dairy-free. So I'm 
incorporating that into my life. So I'm yes. on a mission to find the best pizza. Okay, if you find it, let well, me what know. What kind of cookies can <laughs> I, I have? I think what I kind have. of cookies are there that you can have as a vegetarian? That's a question I want to know. So Oreos are vegan. What? No way. Oreos are what? So Oreos vegan. are vegan? Yes. So if you're not gluten-free, you can have <laughs> them. That's such an enlightening moment. <laughs> I don't eat Oreos. That's, that's awesome. That's good to know. Well, and but even like even bringing that back into, you know, the meal prep discussion, like is that something that you account for in your meal prep? Oreos? Or, or just, just like Oreo-like foods, like fun right? Foods, like fun kinda. foods, right? Like, I mean, do you put like an Oreo in each little Tupperware <laughs> like No, but I should. Um, no, during the week, I'm a little bit more rigid than I am on the weekends. So in the weekends, I kind of okay. like, like to let down and, you know, enjoy it a little bit more because, you know, my week is pretty structured anyway. So it's easier for me to just kind of have those healthy foods ready to go mm-hmm. and be prepared. Um, so the weekends, I have more... Uh, of the fun foods available if I want them. Nutritional leeway. Yes, exactly. I like that. <laughs> yep. So if I want to have an go. Oreo or like, you know, a cocktail or a stack of pancakes, then it's there if I want it type thing. But it's not something I indulge in throughout the week. Interesting. I, I guess, is well, beer is vegetarian. Well, Good. beer, here, this is, that was my downfall when I... I do cider. I, like like I'm, I'm a huge cider well, fan. Well, because beer has gluten. And so right. that was my thing where I had a really hard time letting go, but I will get miserably sick. So I figured out really quickly that like I needed to respect my body's preferred eating patterns because I just was like, you're, like you're saying, I feel so much better without it now that I know what my triggers are personally that I just, it's not. You know what's funny is, not even it's it. funny is like we have a really good pizza place out here that does cauliflower rice pizza crust. Um, it's really good. And then I also, I, but I also have gluten-free pizza out here and I've noticed that my belly can't handle gluten-free crust like that. It, it just, the process, the, whatever is made in that gluten-free crust just crushes my stomach. And I either have to go the cauliflower rice or I have to just go regular crust. And, and it's kind of crazy, right? You're like, well, you're going gluten-free. It wouldn't, it shouldn't help like cause any problems, but it actually does cause problems for, for me. And I, I think a lot of people out there probably have that same, uh, that same issue too. George is the opposite of the gluten. <laughs> no, I mean, I eat, I eat pretty the, clean. Like I'm, I'm really aware of like how I eat and what I put in my system. You know, I, I, I do intermittent fasting in the mornings. Like I won't have food until nine, 10 o'clock in, in the afternoon, depending, you know, all those things. But the thing is though, is it comes down to, I do like to enjoy. I love cookies. I, I, I cookies is my go-to. You also, you also love chicken nuggets because you also left a bowl of those on. So I'm noticing a trend where chicken nuggets were actually probiotic, uh, made with probiotics and they were non, it had like, non non artificial like stuff into it. It was actually like it was they were they were kombucha chicken. They're literally <laughs> it was literally like those kind of like chicken nuggets. They're gluten free, they're everything, but that didn't bother my stomach. But one thing I've noticed though is that it's like it's really nuggets. weird. Um yeah Yeah, well you probably have a food sensitivity to something yeah. else that they're using to replace yeah. wheat. Probably it's it exactly I mean, I guess, what it might I be. guess what what that what that makes me think of is and and I know probably a it seems like a common complaint though because I, I guess like I, so I'm I am not lactose intolerant I'm Lucky. very much all about the the lactose and 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 what I what I noticed is the flavor right like like the difference between like a Halo Top and a Ben and Jerry's right like and I can't like one I I fundamentally. I don't mean to go on a rant, but I fundamentally disagree with the concept of Halo Top ice cream because you literally don't teach anyone portion control by telling them that it's okay to eat the entire pint. 
Like if you, if that's you, a really good point. Like, like if you want Ben and Jerry's, just exactly. have an appropriate have portion an appropriate portion. Of ben and Jerry's, not a pint of Halo Top. And it's like it's like Halo Top basically takes advantage of the fact that human beings lack the ability to control portions of food. Like you've just you've literally created something that makes it okay for someone to just go ham on it and just like eat the whole thing. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> but like, do you ever find that it's you know, challenging or how do you get creative with like the flavors of the food? Like trying to, you know, give that really rich type taste to something that might not be very tasteful if you cut out all that stuff. Yeah, I really try to introduce a lot of variety. So a lot of different fresh fruits and vegetables. I mean, there's like, I think like 90,000 or some ridiculous amount of different like vegetables and fruits and different things you can use. So trying to use a lot of variety because that really keeps my palate guessing in a way. Mm -hmm. So I'm just constantly trying out new things. I have a ton of spices on hand uh, just to constantly mix it up. And then a lot of different like sauces, you know, tamari, different things in the fridge to um, just add a lot of flavor to different foods. So, yeah, because I feel yeah. like that's probably the one, at least with me, like, again, granted, my my meal prep didn't go far beyond just brown rice and chicken. But, you know, having variety in the flavor, I think, is probably one of the most limiting factors with people like trying to plan out like advanced meals. Because you're right, it gets boring, you know, and the reason why it gets boring is because all it all tastes the same. So if you can make something taste different, then... I feel like you'd have a better chance of probably sticking to whatever diet or meal prep plan that you're trying to undergo. Yeah. The food has to be good. You can't meal prep for the week. Something that does not taste good. Like, I, that, that, okay. So it's a fair question. Like, have you ever like, have you ever like sounded something sounded so good on a Sunday when you're cooking it and then come Thursday, you're like, God, I don't want it. Yes. And just, <laughs> just like throw it out. Oh yeah. So I've had several instances where this one recipe looked so good and I made it and I, ate it on Monday and I was like, oh my gosh. I called my husband. I go, do not open it. It is not good. <laughs> no. Like just, it just didn't meld well and it didn't taste good. So we ended up eating a lot of our lunches out that week. Um, so I've That's definitely had funny. some trial and errors. <laughs> yeah. It's like do not eat this. It is. It's all just like some trial and error to figure out what works for you and flavor profiles and what I you I think love. I'm going to mm-hmm. go. I think yeah. I'm going to try vegan out guys. You have convinced oh, me. George, I feel like we had a George, bet. No. I can't remember what our bet this- was, but we had a bet. I had something to do with you doing a crop top video vlog. Oh yeah. Yes, I yeah, remember that. I didn't. Wait, if you, you, you did a, vegan? if you vlogged in a crop top about your experience doing a vegetarian vegan well, or see, vegan diet, I was gonna do like a weightlifting competition. I don't remember. What we, <gasps> like we did had we talk about that? Well, so this oh, is the, this man. is the topic, right? Last year we did. We no, did. It was this year. It was packed. It was like in the February time frame. Hold you both accountable. And <laughs> <laughs> me. Well, so this is this comes down to this, right? Like. The real turnoff for me when I was trying to go vegan or vegetarian when I when I really was the culture of it. I'm not going to lie to you. The culture of vegetarian and vegans really struck me as very. I can't even. I don't even know the word to use for it. It was very. Um, I don't even want to say self-centered. I've, it was. I have. I mean, if you go for it, what's the word, Chris? <laughs> well, I. I will. Okay fair we, we we actually just talked about it you know we talk about this emotional connection to eating i i feel like vegans cross that line into this ideological lifestyle as opposed to a dietary choice like you're not a better human being because i eat 
chicken and you don't because of how you feel about how the chickens are being raised. Like, I, I don't, I guess I just don't like they're, you're not a, that's yeah, I guess you can say know. it's like, it's like, it's not the fact it's like an ideological high horse that people walk around on that. They're just better than, other I don't people. know. I haven't encountered the better than other people. More of it was like the emotional well being, mental health wise was very, very, it, it, I think, you know, what I'm talking about Ashley, you've seen it. Like some of these people who are eating vegetarian and vegan are emotionally like on the low end of like mental health is what I've seen. And it really kind of like scared me in the aspect of like, why, what is this? Why do people go this way? Why do people kind of go in that room? And you being vegetarian now for what, what is it? Seven, eight years now? How long has it been? Mm-hmm. Like, yep, yeah. So years. what is it that you've seen from that? And how do you avoid that? Right. Cause people do take a huge, I mean, a hundred percent and more deep into this. Yeah, I mean, the lifestyle can definitely be demonized in a way where it just becomes really restrictive um, and you kind of close yourself off from a lot of other people and you do consider yourself maybe better than somebody else or... um, We're not saying that you consider yourself better. No, I I don't. (laughs) And I feel like you do a really good job of blending it. Like, exactly. Because a lot of, like, friends at the gym and stuff, you know, they're not vegan or vegetarian. So you do a really good job, I think, of balancing being able to have, like... She's not your normal vegan stereotype. Like, you look at her, I wouldn't know that she's vegan. I would think that she just... But I mean, like, but that's... I guess guess that's a fair... That's a fair point. And see, that's why we shouldn't believe stereotypes. It's not fair for anyone. They're stereotypes for a reason. (laughs) But still, (laughs) I'm just saying we should give people the benefit of the doubt. You'd be surprised. So let me ask this. Has, have you ever been faced with a situation where, I mean, your, your friends obviously know that you're a vegetarian and and do they're like, you know, if they're going to like, you know, the pig festival or something like that. Or they just, <laughs> I hope they, that's not a thing. Well, it's not it a probably thing, but like, is though. But like, do you ever like, do you ever, have you ever found that like someone has not invited you somewhere just based on the fact that they didn't want to like insult your dietary needs? Well, not that I know of. Thanks Chris. <laughs> well, no, I, I guess, I guess because, you know, we, you talked about like food is very mm-hmm. much a part of our culture along mm-hmm. with, you know, being something that sustains our living, you know, and people who like, you know, it's like every I, I, if I had a dollar for every time when I was growing up, someone said, well, I don't need to drink to have fun. I'm like, well, there's a reason why you don't go out when everyone else is drinking because no one invites you because <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't drink. Like, and you're either you're the designated driver yep. <laughs> who just sits at the bar and drinks water all night. There's nothing wrong with that, Chris. You know, no, there, <laughs> there is it. But I mean, but I, but I think, you know, when it comes to this, this whole idea of like keeping people on track, right? Like those are some real realities that people will probably learn into, you know, because no one no one wants to be seen as kind of like an outsider. So you, you know, through, even though it's a small choice and it's really not, I mean, we think it's a small choice, but changing what you eat, you know, like that, that impacts every aspect of your life. You know, what you buy at the grocery store, how you manage your day, because you devote certain amounts of time to cooking and preparing. That also means that you spend certain amounts of time training and probably taking care of your health in other ways. And before you know it, you've, you've basically taken up your entire work week calendar that that either may or may not leave room for anything else and people know that you know people you know i remember I, my story well a story um i remember back in the day when i when i started working out like one of the first things i ever did was i used to get copies of muscle and fitness magazine and i would rip the workouts out i would rip the diet plans out because it's like look like this person right and i was like oh great this is how this works right you know i'm supposed to do all these sets and reps and then i'm gonna look like the person who you know is on the cover of the magazine and at the time you know i um i was getting out of college and i, I was getting ready to leave and go in the military and there was a 
part of time where I actually I live with my grandparents, and I come from a a half Dutch, half Italian. I live with my Italian grandparents. Who sounds like a delicious upbringing? It was right, and it really was. But when you when you have these magazines that are demonizing carbohydrates, and your grandmother's cooking pasta, and you're like, "Oh, I can't have that because it says I can't eat carbs." Right? My first off, my grandmother looks at me and just. <laughs> I hope she got sassy with well, you. Well, she did, and and the one thing that I'll never forget, she told me one time. Uh, and, and it was dessert, right? Because they, they Italians do multi-course meals, all the way from you know the antipasta in the very beginning, all the way to the dessert at the very end. And and I didn't, and I refused dessert one night, you know. And and she looks at me and she's like, you know what? George, happened? George does not approve. We're you getting know, a head she's shake. Like, she's like, you know what? <laughs> you know what happened to everyone on the Titanic who didn't eat dessert? You know what happens? You get. Sh- <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, and I thought about it for That's a second. Amazing. I thought about it for a second. I was like, wow, like you're right. Like you're absolutely right. They all drowned anyways, right? So it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean you, you're also talking to someone who came from a, you know, th- that generation was also a very hardworking blue collar type generation where you had the average person was far more active in their daily life. You know, my grandfather working in a lumber mill who was constantly moving, lifting, picking things up as opposed to someone who's just, you know, tippy typing on a keyboard all day long. He would come home and he would have pasta and meats and and fruit and all. And, and he would continuously do this for years. I mean, granted, this was also the, you know, the day and age where people worked for 30 to 40 years for the same company and then they retired and then they have pensions, right? So they maintained a single active lifestyle their entire life. My great grandmother could still walk up and down the stairs at 104 years old, right? Did not diet a day it's in her all life. The good carbs. <laughs> well, but, she, but that's the thing. I mean, they, they also grew up on a small farm just north of Venice and they were very active their entire lives. So, but they, but the concept of dieting was not a thing. Like you just, why would you, you have the food that's available and you're lucky to have it. And if you refuse it, it's almost insulting, I guess. And I guess where I was going with all that is that, you know, when, when you make these changes to your life, like people start treating you different. I mean, I think whether you know it or not, you begin to project this image that is different, not better or worse, just different. You make different choices with your day. Um, I don't know. I hope that that's something though, that everyone who listened to today's podcast can walk away with too, is you never know why people are making the dietary choices they're making. So even though I feel silly asking a restaurant about gluten-free options, I made that choice because I have physical things that will happen to me. So, you know, I feel like hopefully people will respect that, you know, respect other people's eating habits and where they're coming from and try to ask them questions and get to know why they've you know, had a, a specific eating pattern and like mm-hmm. why they did yeah. that. And cause you never know. And you they're might all, be surprised. They're yeah. all still your friends. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm so happy you came on to like talk yeah. with us today yeah, and thanks. kind of talk about meal prep and kind of your lifestyle. And that was really awesome. Real quick. If there's, if there's anyone who's listening to this podcast has any questions, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, they can DM me on Instagram at plant centered prep. So just, and we'll link that up in the show notes yep. too. So Wonderful. everyone definitely go follow her. I'm obsessed with all of her videos <laughs> and seriously go look at her fridge pictures. She's fridge goals. 
All right. So, then, but <laughs> Larry, last question though: Do you have plastic or glass Tupperware? I have glass. Ah. Yeah, I'm starting. I just Sub. bought my first set. <laughs> I've heard y'all talk the about transition. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm making the transition. What's the big <laughs> deal between glass and plastic? Aren't they the same? I mean, they're not the same, I mean, but you like, know, you, what's you, the... You're not, you not high class, bro. <laughs> well, I feel like the big thing with glass to me is plastic degrades over time, and that can't be good for you. And we, if you heat it up in a microwave and stuff, it's a little like, eh. And they get discolored and gross. Don't last as long. I just throw them so away that I'm making them. the transition to glass. Yep. Here's, here's, Actually inspired me. Listen, George, you can't buy Lululemon at a TJ Maxx. You can though. <laughs> or Marshalls? No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. On that note. Uh, well, hey, Ashley, thank you so much on, for answering all the questions. Yes, thank you so much. It's a wonderful podcast. And like I said, we look forward to seeing you again. Later. Bye.